I want to talk to you today from the Word of God. Um, I want to share a message with you that's uh, entitled, I'm Going Fishing. Now, this is not a um, protest about what's going on right now. Um, this is a, a beautiful story in, in the Bible. Um, I'm going fishing. Just let, me, let me share the, so you know what I'm talking about. You see, the disciples had begun to hear about the resurrection, and some had even seen him for a short while. But not only did they not know what to make of it, more importantly, they didn't know how to respond when they saw him, or they didn't know what to do next. They were lacking direction. And as a result, some of them just went back to doing what they knew best, which was fishing. John 21, verse 3, we pick it up here. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. You see, though they had been fishermen their whole lives, and that was how they made a living, for some reason these experienced fishermen in the boat could not catch a single fish. How could that be? Were they cursed? Did they lose their skills because they had been out of it for too long? No. They simply forgot that Jesus changed their approach to fishing. Do you remember when Jesus called them from their fishing boats and said to them in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, Then He said to them, Follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Him. You see, they never stopped being fishermen, but when they left their nets, they left their old way of living as well as their old way of fishing. It's what happens to all of us when we come to Jesus. He changes our old ways of doing things, of seeing things, and of who we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You see, not only are we forgiven, but we are made new. We are sanctified. We are set apart. We are repurposed and given a new direction to follow. Our past is not just erased, it is redeemed. Jesus didn't take away their passion to fish. He just changed the type of fishing that they'd be doing. Now, they would be fishers of men and of women and of children. This would require a whole new perspective, a whole new skill set, and a complete trust in God's wisdom instead of leaning on their own wisdom. The bigger question is, if Jesus had already made them fishers of men and had taught and trained them to do so, then why did they stop doing it? Why didn't Peter say, I'm going fishing, and then head into a town or a village and start preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins and now the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know why? It's because of a lack of direction. You see, the voice of confusion spoke louder than trusting God. So they tried to turn back the hands of time and pick up old habits instead of walking in the newness and the redemptive calling and actions of Jesus. But wait a minute. Don't we often do the same thing? Jesus redeems our lives. 
He frees us from the bondage of sin. We start walking and living by faith. But then some challenge or some trial comes along and it confuses us or it frustrates us. And too often, rather than continuing to trust God, even though we don't understand it, we go back to yelling and complaining or handling stress in any ungodly way that we have done in the past. You see, like Peter and the apostles, we need to remember that we are now new creations. Just because the same old trials come along, we no longer need to try to handle them with our old methods. We have been made new. Old things indeed have passed away. This is a word of encouragement that we all need to hear from each other. You have been made new. You have been redeemed. Yet for Peter and his fellow disciples, they hadn't fully realized the newness of their calling. Therefore, they took to the sea instead of the streets. John 21, verse 4. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You see, even though Jesus came to see them, He did not need to walk out to them on the water again because the lesson they needed to learn was on the shore. They needed to come to Jesus. Oftentimes when we are out drifting on the waters of uncertainty, of doubts and frustration, we wonder why Jesus doesn't come to us. Where is Jesus? How come He's not coming to us? I can't find Jesus. It's thoughts that we all have. Wanting Jesus to come to us when all along Jesus is waiting for us to come to Him. One of the most used tactics of the enemy is to get us to wallow in pity, causing us to be paralyzed in a woe is me mentality. It stops us in our tracks. It takes all responsibility off of us to seek our healing and puts all the expectation on God to come find us. However, God does not work that way. We see it over and over again in the Bible, how He responds when we seek Him. Jeremiah 29, 12-14a Then you will call upon Me and go and pray to Me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Therefore, when we find ourselves drifting on a sea of confusion, we must keep our heads up above the water and keep listening for His voice and keep seeking Him in all that we do. Let's go back to John 21, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered Him, No. It's not that Jesus didn't know their fish count. He just needed them to acknowledge it out loud. It's often not until we acknowledge our lack that we finally have access to grace. However, many cannot access grace because pride often gets in the way. For these disciples, they were already were forced to swallow their pride. So they simply just stated the truth. John 21, verse 6. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. You see, because they had acknowledged their lack, they immediately obeyed the word of the Lord. 
you will find that if you can acknowledge your lack, acknowledge that you can't do something, acknowledge that it is impossible, that in and of your own power you can't do anything, and then you will find if you do that, you will, and pride doesn't get in the way, you will be able to obey the word of the Lord without hesitation. It's only when your pride gets in the way that you begin to think that you have a better idea than to trust the Lord and to obey His Word. Pride tells us not to be vulnerable. But it is our vulnerability before the Lord that is the foundation of trust. Knowing that God has to come through for me because I have no other way. I'm not just going to hope He answers my prayer. I'm going to lean on Him and depend on Him knowing that He is my only option. I need the Lord. All pride aside, the disciples were quick to follow this new direction to cast their net on the right side of the boat where they found a so great a multitude of fish that they could not now draw in the net. Keeping in mind that Jesus was always teaching them something, fishing continued to be used as an analogy of how they were to evangelize and gather in new believers. Therefore, what can we gather from this analogy? Well, I believe that many times we are not finding success in our lives and in our efforts. And our first reaction is to just move or to change our environment or to find more favorable opportunities that yield better results when all the time God is just telling us to listen to Him and to fish on the right side of the boat. Fortunately for Simon Peter and his friends, they had already learned this lesson once. A couple years ago, a couple years earlier, we witnessed this exchange. Luke 5, verses 4 and 5. When Jesus had stopped speaking, He said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. Luke 5, verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. And now they find similar results. But one thing is missing in this exchange. Peter doesn't begin with his disclaimer about what he's already done. I've already done this, God. He's already learned that lesson. Instead, he learns to lean not on his own understanding. As you consider the places in your life right now where you are struggling, the places that bring you the greatest signs of frustration, and where you seem that your efforts far exceed your your rewards, rather than giving up, is it possible that you are not fishing on the right side of the boat? What I mean is, do you need to lean less on your own understanding and change how you cast your net to others? Maybe you need to use more grace than force. Or maybe you need to use more truth than grace. Regardless of what you change, let it be God who directs this change. More often than not, He will not move your boat. Rather, He will change your cast. John 21, verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. I love this verse for the simple reason of how it begins. 
That disciple whom Jesus loved. This seems like such an awkward verse to so many people because from the wrong perspective, it insinuates that Jesus loved John more than he loved others. Since it certainly sounds that way, what's the right perspective? Well, for starters, how about we look at it from John's perspective? After all, he's the one who was telling the story. This is the writing of, of, of the Gospel of John. This is his account. You see, when the point of the story comes to including what he said, he simply describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wasn't comparing the affections or the favor of the Lord to how anyone else was treated or loved. He was simply stating how he saw himself. John knew that Jesus loved him, and he wasn't afraid or ashamed to share it. He had his identity in Christ. He knew who he was in Christ. His most identifiable characteristic was that he was loved by Jesus. He was not a fisherman or a teacher or a preacher. He was one who was loved by Jesus. What a revelation we can gain from this perspective. When we get to this place in our personal revelation from God, we no longer see the mountains before us. We see the straight ways to the Lord. We no longer feel the pressures surrounding us. We feel His presence and His loving care. We no longer fear the troubles and the unknowns. We only see Jesus with whom nothing is impossible. Because of how John viewed himself, he was the first one to recognize the Lord. There will be people all around you trying to find the Lord in the troubles and the chaos of today. But it is not until you see yourself in the light of His love that you will be able to see Him clearly. John recognizes the Lord and then shares it with Peter. The great thing about Peter is the immediacy of his response following his revelation. As soon as Peter realized it was Jesus, he plunged into the sea. He wasn't waiting for the boat or anyone else. He knew that he had to get to Jesus as soon as possible. And he didn't care how it looked to anyone else. He wasn't paralyzed by what they thought or what they think. He just went for Jesus all on his own. He jumped right in. Now if you remember, Peter was the first and only one to step out of the boat and onto the water to walk to Jesus before. Once again, he is the first and the only to leave the boat and to head to Jesus. How does that compare with your seeking of the Lord? Are you paralyzed about what others think so that you try to control the pulling of your heart to Jesus? Are you too afraid to lift up your hands in worship or to drop down to your knees in prayer because someone might see you? What's keeping you from leaving the boat and plunging into the sea and getting to Jesus as fast as you can. Well, we continue John 21, verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. You know, some run to Jesus and some carry the net. We all come to Jesus, but we have different jobs. We must be careful that we are not envious or jealous of those who seem to have easier or even different tasks than us. All jobs are necessary in the kingdom of God. The worship leader, 
the usher, the parking attendant, the greeter, the custodian, the nursery worker, the librarian, the pastor, the intercessory prayer leader, they are all important. We are all part of God's family. And every one of us has a job to do that we give unto the glory of God. John 21, verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. You see, Jesus already brought some of His own fish. There are some who come to Jesus without a church, without a minister, without an evangelist. They receive a personal revelation from God and they just respond. In fact, I have a friend that was uh, didn't know God, was not following God, and he woke up one morning camping on his own and he saw the sunrise over a beautiful landscape and just by seeing the sun, he, be- he began to believe that God was real and that Jesus was speaking to him through a sunrise. He wasn't near a church. He wasn't singing worship songs. God just spoke to him heart to heart. Sometimes God gives us a revelation of who He is in a variety of ways. And now this guy that I know is an on-fire Christian continuing to seek God in all he does. However, the majority of people who come to Jesus are gathered in the casting of the nets for ministers and evangelists and people like you and me who are just sharing the Lord in basic but deliberate conversations with others. John 21, verse 10. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. See, He asked them to bring their fish to Him. It seems like such a simple request, but unfortunately, many today do not follow through. Let me tell you what I mean. You see, there are many who like the attention, the gratitude and the glory for themselves of telling others about Jesus, so they make people dependent upon themselves as leaders instead of bringing them all the way to Jesus. However, all the praise belongs to God. We don't take any of the praise or any of the credit or any of the glory. It is all due to Him. And more than that, we do irreparable harm to people if we don't take them all the way to Jesus. God is the only one on whom we can depend and trust completely. For He alone is the giver of life. He alone forgives sin. He alone breaks bondage. He alone redeems and makes all things new. John 21, verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. You see, Simon Peter stopped running to Jesus and he turned back to help bring the fish to Jesus. There are times when we're so busy to get to Jesus for ourselves that we forget that we're supposed to be bringing fish for Jesus. It is all of our jobs to bring others to Jesus, not just the pastor or the evangelist. In our own unique ways, we are all supposed to be bringing people to Jesus. It's a large net. We all need to help. We read that there were 153 fish. What's the significance of this exact number? A lot of people will get into numerology and study numbers and try to come up with a reason why that number is listed in there. Why is it not just rounded? Why did it say 153 fish? Why was John so specific in counting all these fish? Well, I believe 
It's because every single one counts. Every one of you is important to God. Every one of your friends whom you are currently praying for, every one of your family members who have been on your continual prayer list and in your mind and sharing Jesus with, every one of you is important to God. And even though there are so many, our nets will not break if we continue to trust God and obey Him promptly. John 21, verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask Him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. See, finally everyone knew it was the Lord. It took them a while, but eventually they all came to the realization. What does this teach us? You see, we all come to the revelation at different times. It's not a contest. Those who came first are given no greater reward than those who came much later. In fact, In the Gospels, Jesus has a whole parable about this idea. But in the end, it doesn't matter who responded to the invitation quicker. The only thing that matters is that if we come to Jesus or not. We all receive the same reward of eternal life. Therefore, let us not judge others who have not come to this realization for themselves quite yet. Instead, let us be diligent to cast our nets and keep praying for all whom we have been called to pray for and intercede and believe that Jesus will reveal Himself to them. Amen? John 21, verse 13. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This was a common sight. Twice He had broke bread and fish with them. And both times, he multiplied the bread and the fish. This time, however, he left the gathering of the fish up to the disciples' efforts when they trusted the Lord and obeyed His commands and brought the fish to Him. John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Verse 17, He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord... You know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. Why? Maybe because Peter denied him three times and now Jesus wanted to restore him completely for his sin. But also, I believe there's more to learn from Jesus' three different replies. Upon Peter acknowledging his love for the Lord, Jesus told him, Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. This was a direct reference to the followers of or believers of Jesus. We may be gathered like fish, but we are nurtured and protected and led like sheep. For Peter and all who are called to help lead a flock to Jesus, there will always be a need to feed new believers with the uncompromised Word of God. 
Next is the need to tend to the needs of believers. Not just to talk at them, but to love on them, to connect with them, to call them, to check on them, to see how they're doing, to, to keep them in the flock of Jesus. Finally, there will be an ongoing need to feed the mature sheep with the Word, challenging them with the full truth and encouraging them to keep trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In some ways, it is really what we are all called to do in order to make sure that we take care of one another, pray for one another, meet the needs of each other, be quick to forgive, and encourage one another with the Word of God. Why? Because we all belong to Jesus. Thus, His words, My lambs, My sheep, My sheep. You see, Jesus didn't only emphasize this point three times to restore Peter alone. He also reiterated three times the fact that we belong to Him. Listen, if your life is missing that zeal and that purpose that you've been craving for and praying for, then join me. I'm going fishing. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your love. We pray that we would receive all of Your love and that grace and that revelation of how You truly truly love us, that You call us Your own, that we belong to You, that we have our identity found in You. May each of us individually experience the anointing of Your Word right now to know that You are in control. To know that as we trust You through all the stuff that's going on right now, that You will lead us as our Good Shepherd. We thank You for this time, God. Continue to lead us and guide us and direct us and let us know that we are loved by You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.